Hey everybody, welcome to Liberty and Friends. I am your host, Big Daddy Liberty. Uh, Liberty and Friends, of course, is a podcast that is uh, brought to you by the Big Liberty Show and Big Daddy Liberty, and of course, the Institute of Race Relations. Um, guys, very interesting guest today. Um, actually, before I get to the guest, let me have a, a quick rant um, of the week. You know, I've been attuned to the news cycle this week and I'm really concerned that we're seeing a weird development, I suppose, of politicians ever increasingly giving themselves power to lie to your face as South Africans and essentially steal more of your income, um, knowing that there's very little in the way of consequences that they need to worry about. And what do I mean by this? Well, um, right now we have the Zondo Commission underway um, and, you know, Everybody's coming onto the Zondo Commission from dodgy businessmen like Agrizi to dodgy former presidents like Jacob Zuma. Um, and they're singing like canaries, right? And the ordinary South African might be watching this and thinking, ah, finally, you know, um, some form of accountability. But is it really accountability? I mean, really? Is it really accountability? Like, who's been arrested so far? Who's been charged with any crime? Who is appearing before a judge in a court of law? And I don't mean a judge in a commission. I mean, Judge Sondo, we know, is, is a judge. But who's actually seriously facing jail time for some of the stuff that we read a lot in the newspapers as, um, you know, as, as stuff that's affecting the country? Um, and when I talk about stuff that's affecting the country, affecting you, the citizen, you, the listener, you're the one who wakes up every day, um, thinks about your family, says a morning prayer, goes to work uh, with the view of bringing something back home for your kids and for your wife and or for your husband, um, you know, in order to advance your family. And you, you're struggling right now. Um, you know, we, we, we've been seeing the data and I don't think South Africans are, can afford, excuse me, to not have a uh, rephrase. I don't think South Africans can afford to see a, a status quo and a continuation of, of things as they are when no one faces retrib uh, justice, essentially, for wrongdoing, from stealing from you. And, yeah, excuse my cynicism, guys. Maybe I'm being a bit of a negative Nancy, but maybe I should be a negative Nancy because there's far too much fake positivity in the media where, where people are sort of pretending as if everything's rosy, everything is sort of um, uh, happening as it should, but we're not seeing the consequences though. We're not seeing real justice. Um, and this is what I meant by by the idea that politicians know this. They, they know that there's no real consequences. So hey, even if they appear before the Zondo Commission, they can have a nice little song and dance and a routine, as Jacob Zuma has been doing for the past two days. Um, because hey, maybe he's protected, right? Maybe he's got, he's got friends in the right places. And no matter what happens at the Zondo Commission, he knows that there won't be any consequences. Because clearly that's how things have been operating at the moment. And all I'm saying is in this rant of the week is that we need to demand more accountability and as South Africans, place greater emphasis on strong institutions and not strong politicians. And this means uh, letting go of this weird obsession we have, for example, with certain uh, personalities like, ooh, Cyril Ramaphosa, he's the president now. He's, he's a good guy. He'll fix everything. Where's the evidence of this? Where is the evidence of this? I mean, the public protector today has just released findings essentially suggesting that the guy lied to Parliament about the 500,000 rand um, in inverted commas donation that came from Bosasa and um, Agrizi, the very same guy I just spoke about, as singing like a canary at the Zonda Commission. So that's obviously going to play out now as long, you know, political and legal uh, wranglings as these things do. But the point I'm really trying to leave you with here today is, and I want you to think about is, as South Africans, we need to be demanding stronger institutions that are able to bite back against the very same people who steal from you and who look you in the face and lie to you. Um, even if it's your favorite politician, I don't care where they're from. They could be in the EFF, ANC, DA, whatever. 
ever. Essentially, these are the sort of people who should be facing consequences because I think once it happens at that level, it'll filter down into society where, you know, the guy who mugs you at the taxi rank will fear doing that because he knows he lives in a country of the rule of law. And he, when, if he's caught, he'll face justice and he might face being locked up. Um, equally, the traffic officer who tries to bri- get a bribe out of you when he stops you at a traffic stop fears doing that because he knows there is the rule of law. The rule of law is one of the most central tenets to any um, liberal society and a liberal society that is based on constitutional uh, democracy. You know, we, you can't have a functional society if you don't have the rule of law. It's very important. Um, anyway, that rant is um, <laughs> something I've just had on my mind for a while. Um, let me get to my host. Oh my goodness, he's probably wondering why am I waffling away here so much. Um, but before I do, uh, let me just give a shout out to our friends at the Frederick Nauman Foundation who have grace- gracefully... Um, supported this show and are uh, supporting this particular episode as we discuss really a important issue that affects um, how liberals and, or excuse me, how you build a uh, property-earning, prosperous and a liberal society that protects all citizens, including those who are you know, in the marginalized um, uh, segments of society. And speaking about that, and you know, we'll be fleshing this out, I'm joined in studio by Gerbrand van Heerden. He's a colleague of mine here at the Institute of Race Relations, um, better known as Gary. May I call you that? Uh, uh, you may call me Gary. Um, firstly, welcome to Liberty and Friends. You are my second guest. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you. Gary, um, we actually had this conversation last year, sort of at the end of last year. And I felt it was important that we flesh it out again because it speaks to... Um, how I want to live in a free society where every single individual, regardless of their race, their creed, their culture, or even their uh, uh, sexual orientation, should be protected by a strong rule of law, if you will. And um, we're going to have a conversation today about the LGBTI plus community, if that's how I said, because it's so many acronyms now, I'll add a plus at the end. Um, And especially in relation to, you know, how they've been uh, treated in South Africa and in Africa at large. You know, have things been improving? Have they not been? We're going to have that conversation with Khari um, uh, today. So, Khari, I'm going to s- segue straight to you. Um, and let's begin in a simple place. Who is Khari van Heerden? Um Tell me a bit about you. Oh, um, well, uh, I am a, a simple boy from Pochestra originally. I grew up there. And Good old I, Podge. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm about to assume you went to, are you a picker? Picky? Picky? How do I yes, say yes, yes, yes. Uh, I studied there as well. Um, so spent most of my life in that uh, uh, quaint little town, Rogerstrom, <laughs> Platinum Province. Yep. Um, then moved to Johannesburg to come work for the Institute of Race Relations. Uh, went on to finish my master's degree. Wow. Um, and uh, quite happy in the city of Joburg. Mm. And uh, oh, and I'm also an openly gay man. <laughs> um, which is going to be the, the topic yeah. of today. But Heidi, just very quickly, what did you study? I've never actually asked you this. Um, so, my original intent was to become a journalist. Oh, wow. So, I studied BA communication, mm-hmm. uh, but I had to take an extra subject to fill up my credits. Mm-hmm. And so, I decided on political sciences Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just because it seemed very interesting and then by my third year when I had to choose what to go post-grad in um, I realized I didn't want to become a journalist anymore right and uh, so I just did the political science thing ended up enjoying it and uh, yeah and that's how I got my master's degree there and uh, didn't know what I was going to do afterwards right so but I just came as a scared little intern here at the institute and uh, they saw something in me i guess and um yeah and i'm still around (laughs) and trust me i am glad to have you here Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately we're going to touch on a a very difficult topic um you know the lgbt uh community lgbt plus community in africa is perhaps more than anywhere else in the world, under a lot of um, persecution. And I, I use that word, I don't use it lightly, because you know when, when you look at some of the examples of what's happening, it is literally persecution. Mm. Let, let's begin, or 
maybe as I phrase this, you know, with the exception of maybe South Africa and Cape Verde, um, yes, you know, correct. the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender uh, rights in Africa are very limited. Um, mm. You know, and this is when we compare it to the rest of the world. Mm. Let's begin in South Africa because this is our, you know, this is where we live. Um, what are what's the state now? You know, we, uh, you know, um, is the LGBT community as protected today as maybe it was? Excuse me, is it protected? Is it more protected today mm. than it was in the past? Mm. Well, I think we should begin with um, the successes that South Africa has achieved when it comes to LGBTQ rights. Um, just as a note, I'm going to use the term LGBTQ. Okay. Uh, queer is included. That's more of an umbrella term Got for it. everything. Um, so South Africa was the first country in Africa to legalize gay marriage. And it was one of the first countries in the world to um, include sexual orientation as a human right in the constitution. And so South Africa has one of the best constitutions uh, when it comes to the protections for uh, gay and lesbian people. Um, however, the question is, is whether those protections encaps encapsulated in the constitution trickle down to grassroots level. And in South Africa, that's not always the case, especially when you look at uh, poorer rural communities, um, different race groups also different benef uh, di uh, uh, benefit differently from the constitution, which I will um, elaborate on later. Um, yeah, so I think the, 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 the first place to start um, is the fact that even though we have one of the most progressive constitutions in the world, um, only uh, or less than a third of our Department of Home Affairs officers in the country um, have uh, marriage uh, officials who are willing to marry uh, same-sex couples. Um, we also see that um, corrective rape, which is the practice of um, where, where men would rape lesbians um, as a way to quote-unquote cure them, is quite common still in South Africa, especially in the townships. In fact, it's so common that it was actually South Africa who termed or who coined the term corrective rape. Uh, another thing that uh, uh, the institute, so the so the, um, the institute has done research about uh, the LGBT community in South Africa, and what we saw was that nearly four out of ten uh, LGBTQ South Africans know of someone who has been murdered before. Um, also. Uh, we've we've seen that the Eastern Cape province is uh, considered to be the most homophobic uh, province in the country. Pe uh, people in the Eastern or gay people in the Eastern Cape are twice as likely to be assaulted than the national average. Um, they are twice as likely to be raped than the national average, and uh, they are twice as likely to be abused uh, than uh, uh, compared to the national average. And then to, uh, I briefly touched on that uh, different race groups uh, mm -hmm. benefit differently from the constitution. Mm -hmm. What I meant by that was um, uh, uh, a, a black LGBTQ mm -hmm. um, South Africans are twice as likely than white um, than their white counterparts mm. to know of someone who is murdered. Mm. Um, also, seventy percent of white LGBTQ South Africans are completely open about their sexual orientation, compared to only fifty percent of black LGBTQ people. And I think that speaks to the fact that. Um, uh, the black LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ community are much more susceptible to violence, uh, discrimination, isolation, um, and therefore accur accurately trying to gouge the size of the gay community in South Africa is quite hard because um, half of 
black gay people are still in the closet mm-hmm. um, and, and for good reason. And, you know, um, you touch on so many important things um, on this topic and, and how they've played out in South Africa. Uh, you know, I must say, you know, as South Africans, you know, we should pat ourselves a little bit on the back in terms of how we've progressed insofar as saying, look, whatever someone's sexual orientation is, that's for them to ha- live and, you know, um, and enjoy the freedom to live, you know. Um, and, of course, it's now reflected in, in our constitution. Mm. Um, or actually, correction, it's always been reflected in our constitution. It just took society to catch up um, yes. to the values in the constitution. Um, nevertheless, the LGBTQ community in South Africa um, and you've he- you've said it yourself, especially those who don't live in the major cities, face some really tough times. And I say this is someone who grew up in a township in Durban, right, Umlazi. Now, thankfully, to an extent, you know, certain pockets of Umlazi were quite progressive, and you know, people realize that look, um, gay and lesbian people are like anybody else. There's no difference, um, you know, and and we have no business trying to police their sexuality and what they do in their bedrooms, mm-hmm. just like. Equally, no one has any business policing what I do as a heterosexual man in my brain. That's not our place as society. But there are unfortunately some pockets where you hear of homophobic violence, um, particularly as you brought it up, the issue of corrective rape. And it's actually an indictment that that is a term that we have um, coined as South Africans because of its prevalence down here. Mm. Um, and I've had to, on, on some occasions, um, Khadi, check my own friends in some instances, you know, friends that grew up in, in the hood. Um, you know, who would say something like, oh, yeah, you know that certain chick so-and-so? Oh, she's a lesbian. Um, oh, I bet if I dated her, she would, she would come right. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean by come right? You know, that person is who she is. Let her be exactly who she is. But as I, as I sort of move to my question, I'm wondering, Harry, whether um, the various influences, you know, the traditional influences, the cultural influences, um, and that that machismo, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but that sort of macho macho type, um, um, I call it culture, for lack of a better word, how much it contributes to those lingering uh, sentiments, homophobic sentiments? Um, yes. So. Um uh, an LGBTQ organization called the Other Foundation. Um, they um, embarked on a um, research project in 2017 um, to try and gouge uh, societal attitudes about the gay community here in South Africa. And uh, their findings were actually very interesting. Um, what they found was that 72% of South Africans surveyed, this is now heterosexual South Africans surveyed, um, 72% uh, said that um, they think that homosexuality and same-sex practices are morally wrong. Uh, But then uh, on the question about whether LGBTQ South Africans uh, deserve the same human rights as um, all other citizens in the country, 51% um, of those surveyed said yes. Um, LGBTQ South Africans do should have the same equal rights as the rest of the population, which, um, which is kind of funny because you had the majority say that they think it's morally wrong. And that's why the other foundation has coined South Africans as progressive prudes. Um, so we definitely have a, um, well, mainly or broadly a live and let live Mm. attitude. I think it's because, South Africa is such a diverse country, mm. ethnically wise, linguistically wise, um, that we've kind of learned to live with one another. And um, uh, one of the funny things as you raise this mm. is, you know, I, I, I think back to like, um, you know, as I, especially as I was growing up, you know, you, know, you always have that one uncle um, who teaches you nonsense, you know, mm. oh, you know, um, 
you know, homosexuality is, is a concept, and I want you to speak to this, but homosexuality is a concept that came with, um, you know, the whites uh, and, and, and colonialism and blah, blah, blah. Uh, this, this thing never existed in South Africa um, or amongst black South Africans yeah. beforehand. And I'd look at this guy and I'm like, Doug, that's not true. I know this is not true, but I, I, maybe I can't challenge you on it. Mm. But what's been your experience of this, especially when you talk to maybe um, peers who may be black and are gay? How, how have they dealt with that, um, that sentiment? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of uh, LGBTQ South Africans, um, you know, they have that one person in the family uh, that they can um, <laughs> uh, open up to as well, and uh, and that I, I, that that helps a lot because um, recently there was a Jewish kid in South Africa who um, has committed suicide, and uh, uh, in his letter, his final letter, he stated that um, he, you know he's tired. Of pretending he's exhausted um, and uh, what was clear from that letter was that he was on this island of isolation and um, that is why uh, you know fa- uh, support from family is so important and uh, I think many uh, almost the majority of South Africans don't necessarily have that they create new families amongst their peer groups, their friends. Um, the LGBTQ community especially um, is very supportive of one another, of, uh, of one another because uh, there isn't a lot of, um, uh, how, how shall I say, platforms for us to kind of talk about these issues with, our, with people who we are very close with. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, before we move on, mm. in terms of South Africa, mm. you know, there's, I think we, we've overcome one hurdle, right, um, around really creating this sort of liberal society that accords everybody the rights. Mm. Um, but you've made the point that, look, even though you've done that in a legal sense, mm. that it still has to catch up in a day-to-day uh, practical sense, mm-hmm. and there's few areas where you see this, for example, on the issue of adoption and parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a number of um, high court judgments that I can sort of think of, um, you know, that have made it quite clear that one sexual orientation should have nothing to do on whether you are a um, on the issue of parenting. Mm. It's irrelevant to the issue, um, especially on the issue on, on deciding child custody. Mm. Um, let me. I'm going to take a step back in, in, in how I'm going to phrase this question. Mm. How easy or difficult has it been? And I don't know if you if you are an expert on this, but I'll, I'll let you sort of mm. you know, speak mm. on it. Mm. How easy or difficult is it for a gay couple? Or a lesbian couple to adopt in South Africa. Hmm. Um, that's a good question because uh, statistics on adoption in general are quite um, scarce. Yeah. Um, but uh, from what I've seen is that uh, South African courts have been um, on the side of the local gay community. So um, from what I believe is that. Uh, uh, LGBTQ South Africans uh, should not find it too difficult. I know actually a few um, uh, people myself personally um, who've had a very smooth process Mm. when it came to the adoption of their children. Mm. Um, And uh, yeah, so I think uh, uh, the courts courts have relatively been on our side. Okay, so We've set a benchmark then mm. to an extent, right? Mm. And I, I'm, it's one which I'm glad we have because mm. so, South Africa, unfortunately, we're so used to bad news mm. um, that it's actually quite encouraging that in terms of these sort of liberal values mm. of uh, creating a, an environment, a, a society, if you will, of all citizens being looked after mm. and uh, having their rights protected, including the, the LGBTQ community, mm. that one then has to look at the rest of Africa mm. um, and realize just how far Mm. It it is from uh, achieving some of these liberal values, mm. if you will. Mm. Um, you know, 
as I said, when I began, with the exception of you know our country and, and maybe Cape Verde, the LGBT community, uh, LGBTQ rights in Africa are still very limited, um, especially compared to the rest of the world. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll let you speak to this because you know I, I can think of a few examples, a few countries. Um, in fact, if, if memory serves me right, and maybe I should actually just check it on, on my PC, mm. I think only about just under half or 40% of countries in Africa, um, you know, have, you know, make it legal, for example, for gays to get married. Um, but talk to us about this, um, Khadi. What, what is the picture looking like in the rest of Africa? Mm. Um, so uh, the... LGBT people in the world um, face completely different realities in different regions. Mm. You have, for example, in Europe, they're talk. I mean, th- what they're talking about now is transgender bathrooms and adoptions and um, uh, 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 g- giving giving rights to uh, all other sexual. Uh, my, uh, minority groups that um, have never been considered, but here in Africa, um, uh, uh, even though in most African countries uh, same-sex activity is legal, that's the best you can get. Um, civil unions um, um, are basically outlaw- outlawed throughout the the continent. Um, Afrobarometer. Uh, which uh, is a, a, a huge research organization here on the continent, has uh, done a study to gauge societal attitudes about um, LGBTQ people on the continent. And what they found was that uh, just a fifth of Africans surveyed um, would actually tolerate having uh, gay people live next door to them, having gay neighbors. So only a fifth. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the, uh, the African Charter of Human and People's Rights because I think that hops back to what we talked about earlier where South Africa has a very progressive constitution but that constitution's um, protections doesn't always benefit the people on the ground. And it's the same here with the African Charter of Human and People's Rights. Now, what is that exactly? Firstly, mm-hmm. um, it is a human, uh, human rights instrument that is um, broadly supposed to um, encourage and um, protect current uh, um, human rights and freedoms that we have in Africa, mm. but also to encourage um, uh, more rights. And um, so there's a, a number, so, so this charter has four chapters and 60 articles. And um, in, in these articles, for example, in article two, uh, of the chapter uh, uh, of the charter, uh, it has a clause that says that um, nobody may be discriminated against um, based on their ethnic- ethnicity, religion, um, language, political opinion, class, um, gender, mm-hmm. um, and then other status as well. And now sexual orientation can be interpreted as being categorized under. Uh, other status. Um, yet from what we can see is the application of this Article 2 when it comes to LGBTQ rights is quite poor. Um, the uh, I think there's more than almost uh, between 15 and, uh, to 20 countries where um, same-sex um, activity is um, uh, can uh, has a penalty of up to one year uh, imprisonment uh, and for many it can lead to imprisonment of 10 to 15 years well let, let's name some of these because mm. I, I don't think anybody's listening realizes maybe just how serious this is um you know let's name some of these 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 um these these closed societies um you know you have sudan somalia um, Mauritania and northern Nigeria in particular, where homosexuality is punishable by death. Um, you know, in Uganda, for example, a very famous example because it, it had been in the news uh, about two or three years ago. Um, it's died down a little bit, but it's, the issues are still there. Uh, Uganda, Tanzania, and Sierra Leone uh, off- offenders 
can actually receive life imprisonment for homosexual acts. Although um, the law isn't necessarily enforced in Sierra Leone, but you know, it's still there. Mm. And this is the, the interesting bit I, when I did my research on this that I, I really found um, abhorrent, especially because we live in such a liberal society. Um, when you then read that this is happening in the rest of Africa, you're like, whoa, why? Mm. Um, in addition to actually criminalizing homosexuality, um, Nigeria has enacted legislation that makes it illegal for like family members, like um, the family, or excuse me, heterosexual family members, allies and friends, to be supportive. And mm. this comes back to the point which we were chatting about early on, how you know when when you are a, a young gay man, for example, and you're, you're living in a society like that, sometimes it's a family member, a sympathetic mm. um, and supportive family member mm. who becomes your rock and your crutch. Mm. And in Nigeria, that even that is, is, is being um, criminalized. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's very true what you say. So um, a law that was signed in... Uh, um, uh, um, so an act that was signed into law in 2014 by um, President Buhari um, called the Same-Sex Marriage Prohibition Act. Um, so that was signed into law in 2014, uh, but it does so much more than um, uh, make same-sex marriages illegal. Uh, it makes civil unions illegal. It um, also makes it illegal to um, um, for same-sex uh, partners to cohabit or live in the same place. Mm. Uh, so you can't even live together. Uh, it also makes it illegal um, f to register uh, an LGBT organization, NGO, or club. It also makes it illegal for a straight person to support any uh, LGBTQ institution. Um, so uh, there is definitely, um, it, it definitely covers a broad swath of things not to do if you're an LGBTQ person. Don't breathe. Oh. Um, yeah. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so, so Africa... There, there has been uh, a number of positive developments mm -hmm. in the the last few years. Um, Angola has um, registered their first LGBT organization, um, I think, two years ago. Um, they've also made same-sex activity legal. Botswana this year had a groundbreaking um, uh, court decision to uh, legalize same-sex activity. Um, the Seychelles um, has stayed committed to their um, commitment to the UN <coughs> to legalize um, same-sex activity. Um, but then also, at the same time, you have a law such as Nigeria's being signed into law. You have Kenya, who just a month earlier than Botswana's uh, groundbreaking court decision, deciding that um, uh, their, their penal code um, does not... Um, uh, how shall I say, uh, target LGBTQ people directly. It, it's, it, it's supposed to be interpreted for everyone. So LGBTQ people aren't being targeted by the penal code. Um, uh, quite nonsensical um, uh, thinking that went into that judgment. Um, and I think a lot, uh, one of the main obstacles um, with having LGBTQ rights progress on the continent is the fact that a lot of political and economic elites in Africa espouse this idea that um, homosexuality is alien to Africa, it is a foreign concept, it is something that has been important, uh, imported by the West and we actually have a wealth of evidence that uh, proves otherwise um i think s s anybody listening to this conversation might be wondering now oh, why is this so important why is this so important yeah. and i'll tell you why it's important especially for those of us who consider themselves classical liberals as i do you cannot build a safe functional prosperous society if you have the state um, and really politicians within the state um, seeking to police things that they have no business policing. The individual 
regardless of what their particular beliefs may be, should be given the freedom to pursue their own interests and to live a life um, where they can pursue their happiness. As And as long as they're not harming the next person, um, that's the sort of society you want, right? Where individuals can actually pursue um, their own self-interests, live full, meaningful and fulfilling lives um, and and essentially, as I said, um, pursue their happiness. Now, when you listen to a conversation like this and you listen to how um, other human beings, fellow human beings, are being persecuted for their own beliefs, you've got to sit up and think, Yara, um, it's them today, but what stops it from what stops that level of persecution being me tomorrow? Mm. For whatever reason, right? For mm. whatever abstract reason, whether it could be race, your culture, for example, mm. whatever the case may be. And this is why we talk about um, the 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 notion of limiting state power or limiting um, the state's coercive manipulative power. So that if you have a rabid homophobe come to power, that he or she will not have the power to harm um, other South Africa, excuse me, other people, period, regardless of what country it is in. Um, Harry, as we maybe begin to orientate this conversation towards the end, I'm going to ask two questions that really sort of are on my mind. Um, there's obviously still a long way to go in terms of, you know, from, from our liberal perspective for, you know, introducing the sort of society that I've spoken of, a free society where all individuals, including minorities, are protected. And I'm going to ask you such a, a, a large question, and I'm sorry if, if, if you know, if you know, you probably won't be able to answer it in full uh, uh, details right now. I'm, you know, we'll probably need a ten-hour conversation to 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 do this. But what needs to happen um, now? Let's begin in South Africa. Of those few issues we still have, for example, of corrective rapes um, and the sort of maybe cultural things that that that, that um, continue to perpetuate violence against, um, you know, sexual minority groupings in this country. What do we need to do? Um, is it a, a a rule of law issue, something maybe the state should be playing a role in, like better policing or, or I don't know, like what, what would you propose we do in South Africa first and then we'll talk about Africa after that? Um, well, I th I think you you made a, a a good point earlier, and that is um, if if gay marriage or um, LGBTQ people are are legal um, in your country, your country has basically made it in terms of liberal rights, and you know <laughs> all other rights are guaranteed. Um, uh, as to the question of what should be done, um, I think uh, South Africa has benefited a lot of having a progressive constitution. That has definitely shifted people's perspectives a little bit, but only to a point. And to go beyond that, we need to... Um, uh, bring education into the converse, conversation. Um, so the study by Afrobarometer showed that people with a tertiary education um, are the most liberal and the most open-minded when it comes to sexual minorities. Um, so education level plays a big part. Um, and uh, I think uh, what also needs to shift is uh, officials, um, government officials, um, respect for the constitution when it comes to these types of things. Because um, you still have, for example, home affairs officials um, d declining to issue refugee status for... Um, LGBTQ Africans from other countries coming to South Africa uh, looking for a safe haven. Uh, you know, I've read the other day that uh, home affairs officials often ask these um, uh, foreign LGBTQ people, uh, where is your husband? Can you please prove to me how, uh, or can you please prove to me uh, if you're gay? And that's a notoriously thing, a difficult thing to prove. And 90% of LGBTQ Africans' application 
to um, settle here in South Africa as a refugee gets rejected on that basis. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think to the question um, to 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 bring it to Africa, if I may. Um, I mean, you you have uh, events happening at the moment, such as in Tanzania, where a 17-member task team has been established to hunt down gays and throw them in prison. Um, so the regional commissioner of Dar es Salaam that commanded this uh, said that, you know, this is a, a foreign thing that needs to be um, wiped out. And so I think changing the the whole um, the, the 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 whole belief of homosexuality is pretty natural. It is pretty natural. There's a lot of scientific research out there that supports that. Um, and unfortunately, what we've seen is that the majority of people in Nigeria and Uganda and Kenya, uh, people in those countries, still think that it's a Western phenomenon when, in fact, for example, um, in pre-colonial Uganda, uh, uh, you had priests who dressed as women. And in the Tessa tribe in Uganda, uh, men who dressed as women were officially regarded as a third gender. Um, and in the, in the Langi tribe in Uganda, you had... Um, uh, uh, men who dressed as women were referred to as Mudokudaku. And Mudokudaku people are, um, they were expected to um, dress as women and to, uh, and, uh, and they were officially recognized as, as uh, a third gender. And then in the, in Kenya, in the Kikuyu and Mira tribes, uh, uh, you had special religious leaders known as Mugave that dressed and wore uh, their hair uh, like women, and in the in the Nandi in Kenya, lesbian relations uh, relationships were quite common. And in the Kamba tribe, this is pretty interesting. The Kamba tribe in Kenya, um, Kenyan women were allowed to marry other Kenyan women in order to encourage fertility. Now, how this came about was um, it, uh, uh, a male child or son uh, was believed by the Kamba tribe to represent a family's past, present, and future. So if a woman was unable to produce a child, uh, a male child, um, it was believed that that family's uh, future and past ancestors were spiritually erased. Um, so in order to prevent that, uh, a, a wife who was unable to pr produce a male child would then go on, would be allowed to marry another woman, and that woman would then serve as a surrogate mother, and this surrogate mother's child would then um, be the torchbearer of that original wife and husband's family spirit. And then my favorite story, um, or um, not story, uh, historical facts, mm -hmm. is um, in, in Ghana, you had, in, in the Shanti kingdom, you had male concubines, uh, basically male sex slaves, who um, uh, were expected to uh, dress and act as women. And in the Dahomey kingdom, males that were castrated um, were officially uh, regarded as women, and they served, uh, at the, well, they were regarded as uh, royal wives who served in influential positions in the upper courts of the Dahomey kingdom. And that granted extensive power over the kingdom. Yeah. Now, w w and here's my thing as I listen to this, you know, mm. whether you personally, um, you know, uh, uh, accept or don't accept the gay community, it this bursts the myth that somehow it came with the West mm. or it came with colonialism or mm. any of the other nonsense I've heard people mm. say. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's obviously very fascinating and you know, I, I a lot of the stuff I didn't know. I mean, it's it's like it's it's like eye opening, um, but it also reinforces why you know it's it's so important that we are protecting the rights and the freedoms of all people, so that people can be free to live 
a life which um, is meaningful and brings happiness to them. Um, Hadi, as we move to final thoughts, um, I am cautiously optimistic. Um, I think there, there is a, especially with our generation and younger, I think there is an understanding that um, on the one hand, you want to create a live and let live society, but more importantly than just that, right? Um, you want to create a society which actively protects the um, individual rights of all, oh, excuse me, I keep saying South Africans, but of all Africans, period. Um, and so insofar as any other political system, liberalism, to my mind, is the only political approach that has sought to achieve that. And has sought to achieve a society where everybody is accorded the exact same rights and are protected under law, um, which is a key factor here. Um, maybe as a final thought, um, your sense of where we're headed as a continent and as a country going forward, um, and what, what sort of society would you want to see? Hmm. Um, so I, I know that we should maybe strive for, um, I mean, there's always room for improvement and LGBTQ people should be fully accepted. But I think um, the first hurdle to uh, get across in Africa is uh, just promote tolerance. And, you know... Which is one of the liberal values, by yes. the way, toleration, absolutely. Yes, so... Um, uh, let communities um, in Africa still have, you know, their reservations about sexuality, uh, but but educate them to to understand better what it entails, and that even though they might not agree with it, that doesn't mean that they have to actively support the oppression of that group. Absolutely. And if you can communicate that message, that hey. If this minority group, whether it's an LGBTQ community or a religious minority or a racial minority, um, if, if the rights of that group can't be protected, then there's obviously space for the government to maybe later in the future um, clamp down on other um, human rights that could ultimately affect you. And I, I, when, um, about your points about where we are heading as a continent, I think um, improvements are quite sporadic at the moment. Um, the most liberal region in um, Africa is the Southern African region, and that could be because you have South Africa, which is which served as this 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 um, shining example mm -hmm. of human rights, and that might have influenced our neighbors. Um, that's, by the way, a major criticism that I have of South Africa. I think South Africa should really try to actively promote gay rights across the rest of the continent, which I don't think the country is doing, which I can also understand because we have a lot of pol political and economic ties with our neighboring countries, but nevertheless, I think um, I think things are getting better. Studies and opinion polls, um, international opinion polls, have shown that young people, educated people, and urbanized people are the most open about gay rights, and that's. Africa's future. We are becoming a more urbanized continent. We're becoming a more educated continent. And we are the youngest uh, continent in the world. Um, so I think the future, the, the medium-term future at least, uh, looks pretty bright for Africa. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Khadi, thank you so much for your time. Um, guys, that was... Um, a, a, a very eye-opening conversation. And, you know, I, I say this as someone who, um, you know, from from my side also, I, I you know, I want to learn um, about what it is exactly that others, other, I keep saying South Africans, what it is <laughs> that other um, individuals are going through. And it 
it reinforces my values, why it's important for us to create these free societies that allow individuals, regardless of whatever creed it is that, that makes them who they are and how they identify, um, to be able to live um, peacefully and free from any form of coercion, any form of violence against them, um, and for them to pursue their own happiness and their own self-interest. You may agree or disagree with someone's life choices, but the point we're driving, and the point I'm driving at least, is it should be irrelevant in a society where everybody's given the freedom to be who they are as long as the next person doesn't harm or affect you. Um, and that's my dream society. Um, and that's why as a classical liberal, I fight for these values. Um, they're, they're important. And maybe on that basis, let me end the show. Um, uh, Khari van Heerden, thank you so much for joining us. That was a very opening, eye-opening conversation. Thank you, Sikhari. Um And thank you, the listener, for listening. Um, you know, I, I always say this, you know, it's, it's very difficult for us um, and for me to create content um, without feedback. So I'd really appreciate your feedback if you listen to this. Um, give me a shout on my social media pages, whether it's on, you know, uh, Instagram, Twitter, or uh, Facebook, just search Big Daddy Liberty and let me know what you thought about this conversation. You know, um, drop me some comments um, in the comment sections. Um, you know, are you part of the LGBTQ plus community? You know, let me know what you thought of this conversation. Um, how can we build a society that protects all individuals? Um, let's keep that conversation going. And guys, remember, you can support my work as Big Daddy Liberty by becoming a friend of the IRR. That is our crowdfunding campaign. And, you know, these are the funds that we use to buy the equipment and to bring you the content and also to travel across this country, meeting with South Africans from all over um, and every corner and bringing these liberal values to them so that we can build the sort of society that we want to see in this country. So consider becoming a friend of the IRR. Join us by SMSing your name to 32823. Um, you know, terms and conditions to apply. An SMS will cost you one rand. Or hey, maybe you don't do SMSs. You're like, hey, SMSs, what are those? I'm a young millennial and I, you know, I want to do, um, I'm, I'm, I'm online. Well, then find us on our website at irr.org.za forward slash uh, join and you can sign up a monthly debit order uh, there too. Um, guys, and remember to look out for the Big Liberty Show itself. You can find it on YouTube. Just search Big Daddy Liberty or Big Liberty Show. Um, there's lots of interesting episodes on there. We cover all sorts of issues. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And of course, look out for The Daily Friend, a show that I produce here at the Institute of Race Relations with fellow colleagues. And you can find our writing and opinion, news and analysis on the Daily Friend website, dailyfriend.co.za. And last but not least, let me give a shout out again, once again, to the Frederick Nauman Foundation in South Africa for supporting the show. We really appreciate that, guys. And uh, yeah, let's build that liberal center in this country that can begin to build a property-owning prosperous and a free society guys you've been listening to liberty and friends i'll catch you next week